Can I invite you uh, to turn in your Bible uh, to Exodus uh, chapter 12? Exodus chapter 12. And just as we get there, we're going to pray uh, together with our Bibles open. Father, we have your word before us. We thank you for it. Thank you that it's in our own language. Thank you that we can understand it. But Father, open our eyes that we may see clearly. For by your spirit and by your grace, Father, we need to understand. Help us to see Christ in these Old Testament words, Father. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the middle of Egypt, uh, in the land of Egypt, uh, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be uh, the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, uh, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A meal, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord." The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And we'll end there, verse 13. We're going to pick up later in the chapter in a moment or two's time. Uh, suffice to say, uh, there's a verse in, uh, uh, in the... In the New Testament, uh, it's in the middle of a passage where the Apostle Paul is, is actually rebuking the church in Corinth uh, for sexual sins, and he drops in these words. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. This uh, teaches us a principle uh, that applies again and again when you read your Old Testament in the morning or in the evening uh, you, by yourself. Uh, when, you, when you do that, as you, as you think about the, the different practices and, and customs that were part of life back then, then perhaps some of them, they seem weird or, or ancient. And that principle is this. Jesus is found everywhere in the Old Testament. 
when he was talking to two people on the road to Emmaus at the end of Luke's gospel, we're told that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. With the clear indication that there was plenty, indeed, in the, in the scriptures concerning himself. Yes, he's found in those passages where the mysterious angel of the Lord appears to Abraham and Gideon and others. For that is how the Lord God reveals himself to humans like us through, through his son. The angel of the Lord for me is none other than the second person of the Trinity. But he is also found in other places, in strong reference, in picture, in shadow. Often we just come across these. We find them by getting to know our Bibles over the years. And when we kind of have a bit of spiritual deja vu when we're reading something or hearing someone else read it. And it sounds like something else that we remember from somewhere else in the Bible. We think, oh, that sounds a bit like something else that I've read before. That, that reminds me of something. There's an echo going on there. And, and that, is, that is exactly right. But sometimes we don't even need to do the speed work like that. Sometimes we're told about it straight. Paul does this for us in 1 Corinthians because he calls Jesus Christ our Passover lamb. And he's telling us, isn't he, that when we read about the Passover lamb in the Old Testament, it's talking about Jesus in essence, in shadow, in type, in strong reference. And he tells us that he has been sacrificed. And we need to understand Passover and lamb and the significance of sacrifice in the Old Testament if we're going to get what that means and what Paul means. In the lead up to Easter, we're going to be focusing on the cross we're going to be casting our minds and our hearts again towards Calvary. And uh, as I said, we, we're going to call this mini-series uh, the, the Cross He Bore. <clears throat> For it was there at the cross that our Passover lamb was sacrificed. That's the truth. It was there that he suffered that, that painful, that arduous, that slow death that he didn't deserve. When John the Baptist was, um, of course, he was, he was the forerunner. He, he was the warm-up act if you like, uh, to Jesus. So when, when he sees the, the one that he's, that he's pointing to, the one that he's looking for, coming along the, the dusty road one day, what does he say? He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's recorded John chapter 1, verse 29. Now, he could have said, Behold, the Word of God which takes away the sin of the world. I mean, that would, fit it, that would have fit it really well for John chapter 1 because that's a chapter with the Word of God's in it. But, but he doesn't say that. He could have said, behold, the Son of God, which takes away the sin of the world. But, but, he, but he doesn't say that. He calls him the Lamb. That's his choice of phrase. He doesn't think son or word. He thinks lamb. Bleeding lamb. He thinks sacrifice. That's what he thinks. <clears throat> Let's think about the Passover. <clears throat> it was a night of sacrifice. That's what we know it's first of all. Passover was, of course, the tenth and final plague on the land of Egypt. You recall that the plagues were God's judgment on Pharaoh and his Egyptian people for failing to release or to let God's people go, as is the repeated mantra. We had the blood on the Nile. That was the first plague. We had the frogs. We had the lice. We had the flies. We had the death of the livestock. We had the boils. We had the heel. We had the locusts. We had darkness, number nine, all over the face of the land. And finally... We had the Passover, 
Traditionally, it's a children's story, uh, but again, with most children's stories, it really isn't a children's story when you think about the force of these events. And for the first time in the plagues, there were instructions for the children of Israel, strong instructions. Let's read from chapter 12 again, verse 21. And here's what God says. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. Exodus 12, verse 21. And kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And worshipped. On the tenth day of the first month, um, they were to take a lamb into their house. And if you couldn't afford a lamb, well, you could club together with another family to get a lamb. Uh, it could be a young goat, in fact, but that option seems to almost have, have, have disappeared and fallen out of, of memory in time, for it was always a lamb. It was a Passover lamb. It had to be a male lamb, a year old. It had to be without defect or spot. It couldn't be just any old cheap thing. No, we, we sacrifice for what we love. It has to be kept in your household, we read. So Lamy or, or Jasper or whatever you're going to call him, right? He has to become part of the family for four days from the 10th day until the 14th day. He's moving in. He's in the house with you. And even though he might have become a pet of sorts, at twilight on the 14th, well, Lamy has to get it in the neck. That's what we read. He has to be killed, doesn't he? And if that sounds harsh to you or you think it's a little cruel that your new pet faces such an outcome, remember, remember that sacrifice always comes at a cost. Sacrifice always comes at a cost. His blood has to be shed for it has to be used. It has to be collected in a basin, we read. And you took some hyssop, a bit like an ancient paintbrush, right? And you, and you painted it, uh, you dipped it in the blood and you painted it on the two doorposts, horizontal or vertical, and the lintel, the horizontal bit, all the way around the wooden door frame. And after this, you go inside and you don't come out until the morning. And you can safely shelter under the door frame for the night of terror approaches but you're safe. You see this uh, in Ukraine, and it was the case during the Blitz in Belfast and during the Second World War, when there was a danger of a house taking a hit from a bomb, from an airplane. Where did you go? Well, the safest place was away from a window, under a table, or in a doorway, under the door frame. The door frame protected you. And the other thing that happened once you were inside for the evening was you had to roast your lamb. 
You, you cook lamy and you make a meal with lamy and you take some bitter herbs and you, and you take some unleavened bread. And you don't worry now about the table manners because you have to eat it fast, God's word says. You have to eat it standing up with your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet and with your staff in your hand because this is the last night you're going to spend in Egypt. For in the morning you're out of there. At midnight, the Lord goes through the land. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. We read in verse 12. Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. That's a scary word in scripture, isn't it? I always find that a very scary word. The destroyer. But we need not fear. We'll see that in a moment. For those who are not covered, there's a, there's a massive shock, isn't there? For those who did not heed the warnings, there's a terrible judgment on the way. For that night, God struck down dead the firstborn in every house. But notice there was judgment in any case. Every house had death in it. Either a lamb or a firstborn son. There was death. For the judgment had to fall somewhere. How, how, does, how does the Passover point us to the cross? Well, of course, as we understand, Christ, Paul says, is our lamb. The apostle Paul, he, he's male. He is the perfect, spotless one. 1 Peter 1 verse 18 says, We were redeemed not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was the meal. He was the spotless one. He was the lamb. The Passover is a horrible thing. Isn't that right? This is no children's story. But it's a horrible thing. The cross is, of course, a horrible thing. It's not cool or current or acceptable. It's, but it's necessary. Isn't that right? For Christ, as he hung and suffered there, he, he shelters us. He, he replaces us. Either the lamb dies or the firstborn son dies. Or to be right, the lamb who is the firstborn son of God dies in our place at the cross. And when he's nailed to the cross and his blood is shed on the wood, well, we shelter under him and find rescue in him. The cross of Christ is our safe place if we know him. And yes, of course, death, again, is the outcome in either, in either case. The wrath of God falls. It has to fall. Judgment has to come. Someone has to die. The last plague cannot be averted. Either the Lamb of God dies or you do. That's the way it works. Fundamentally, the Passover is a night of freedom. It's a night of sacrifice. It's also a night of freedom. Freedom out of Egypt, first of all. Do notice, of course, the people were, were slaves there. They, they, they started off as friendly, you know, at the time of Joseph when he brings, his he brings Jacob and all the, the caravans and they're coming down to Egypt and they're living there and it's fine in, Go in Goshen. But all of a sudden, there's a change of leadership and, and the Pharaoh begins to think, you know what, they're, they're starting to outnumber us we've got a problem eventually they they become enslaved they were oppressed they were beaten they were making bricks and then suddenly they're making bricks without any straw they had to go and find their own straw they're trapped in the system it's back breaking work god takes pity on them 
He hears their cry. Exodus 12 verse 2 makes it clear that this night was a new beginning. We read it. This month shall be for you the beginning of of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. The people were were starting out fresh, weren't they? They were were going to be a new nation with a new identity marker, with a a new name. In fact, here for the very first time, they're called the Congregation of Israel. Verse 3, first time. They're free. Free Free from slavery. We're freed from the slavery of sin when in Christ our Passover lamb, well, we're set free from its power over us, power that it once held even though we may not have realized it. Sin no longer has dominion over us, God's word teaches. The flesh is mortally wounded, God's word teaches. And in Christ we are new creations, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. We have a new name. We're now called Christian. We have a new identity marker. We're we're Christians. We have a new home. We no longer are from Egypt, as it were, in the world, in the sense of our citizenship. No, no, now we have our citizenship in heaven, Paul says in Philippians 3. It's onwards and upwards for us. And of course, the problem was that the people in the Exodus account had very short memories. You remember... It's not hard to, to pick it up in Exodus as you read it. It's not very long until they begin to long for the cucumbers and the leeks and the onions in Egypt. Oh, we just loved those cucumbers. They were just great. Oh, we had a wonderful meal in Egypt. I, I, the people were grumbling. The people were complaining. They were wishing they were back because, of course, in their memory, which was badly constructed, it wasn't so bad. And it's just like you and I in our new relationship with sin because it no longer has the power over us but we're tempted to go back isn't that right in our minds at first no it wasn't so bad there were some good things surely yeah there were definitely good things but we so easily forget the the horror of it the seriousness of the enslavement the cost of that road the cost that was shown on the night of sacrifice Freedom out of Egypt. Secondly, freedom by faith. Now, the Passover meal of roasted lamb and bitter herbs and unleavened bread had to be eaten quickly, as I said, uh, uh, and the preparations for leaving had to be made. But that was a real step of faith. Do you know that for 430 years, they'd been slaves in Egypt? And you're telling me that on this night, we're all just going to go? And you're telling me that all of a sudden we're expected to believe that nine plagues in, he's just going to let us leave? And somehow God's going to deal and judge the Egyptians, the firstborn? It's a step of faith, isn't it? You expect me to believe that? Yes, I do, says God. Yes, I do. Painting the blood on the lamb of the, tim- of the, lamb on the timber. It was more than a, than a stretch, this idea that God was going to kill the firstborn sons of Egypt. And in the morning it would be sayonara, off we go. It was not easy. And by faith we receive Christ, our Passover lamb. By faith we accept his offer of forgiveness. By faith we receive what God so graciously provides with the blood on the wood again. Adam says this to Isaac. 
as he faces the prospect of sacrificing him on the altar. He says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. No, it wouldn't be Abraham's son. It would be God's own son. And salvation, our salvation, is entirely down to him. Notice, notice with me, maybe you, didn't, maybe you knew this story, but you didn't really think about this. But notice that, that God does not inspect the inside of the house to see how good, bad, or awful the people were in there. No, no, he doesn't do that. Notice he just inspects the blood on the outside of the house, at the door for you. It's not about the quality of the people in there or your life. It's not about the qual- how good, bad, or awful you are. It's about the merits of Jesus' death. That's what it's about. It's about him, in other words. It's about our Passover lamb and what, how good he is. Passover takes our eyes off ourselves and to the one who is outside of ourselves. It reminds us that by faith we receive that which is on offer by God's gracious hand. Freedom out of Egypt, freedom by faith, also freedom to worship. Again and again, Moses asked Pharaoh to let the people go. Why? Well, he, he, he was delivering God's message. Let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Exodus 7, Exodus 8, it's, it's there again and again. They wanted to go and worship in the wilderness. Pharaoh said no. He would not. He, he, he said he would, and he reneged, and he, he promised a little bit, but that wasn't enough, and then he reneged again, and that's what he kept doing. And now with the final plague and the final act of God's judgment, his people are able at last to go to worship. Of course, there's one last effort at the chasing pack to try and kill the children of Israel at the Red Sea. But soon... The children of Israel are worshipping at the holy mountain and worshipping at the tabernacle with God's presence amongst them. They were free. But I wonder, is that how you see freedom? You see that in our world, freedom is not really seen like this. Freedom is seen as absence of obligation, absence of restrictions. We have mantras like, don't you let anyone else tell you what to do or to think or to be. But the Bible, of course, gives us a very different definition of freedom. In its pages, freedom is not the ability to be whoever you want to be. Real freedom is the ability to be who you ought to be, who God made you to be, the way you were meant to live. Freedom for the fish is living as a fish. It's swimming in the expanse of the ocean that it was meant to. It's not lying sunbathing on the deck of a yacht in Monte Carlo, even if it thinks it really wants to. Because that freedom is step one to death, isn't it? We were made in God's image. We were made to worship God. That's what we're here for. That's, that is what we're here for. And though through the death of the lamb, through the death of the of the sacrificial lamb, our Passover lamb, we're able to worship God. Because when we come through Jesus, we come to, to, to God to worship him in spirit and in truth. Our Passover lamb suffers and, and he dies a horrible death so we can have access to God. That's the, that's the way the Bible speaks of it. So we can worship God. When he dies on the middle cross, he opens the way for us. He opens up the access channels, the communication lines, the, the bands of relationship again. 
freedom to worship. Finally, freedom from death. The Passover causes Pharaoh and the Egyptians to release their captives. But that's not the end of the slavery or even its deepest form. Hebrews 2 verse 15 talks about another slavery. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, this is the case in all of the pictures in the Old Testament. In all the stories of the Old Testament, there's a sense of dissatisfaction even with the outcome. Because the Passover story in and of itself is somewhat dissatisfactory because the people, well, they, they get to the desert, yeah, uh, to, to, to worship, they, they get free from Egypt, yeah, but, but many of them get old and they die. And many of them aren't that old and they die in the desert. There's the problem, isn't there? There's the problem of death. It's still coming. Angel of death might not have struck you that night, but it's still coming, you see? There's a lifelong slavery in the sense still there. We can see this in our world. What a terrible time it is to be an unbeliever. You ever think like that? What a terrible time to be an unbeliever. There's fear of death, fear, isn't there? There is, this is all, this life is all there is fear. And it's really shaking right now. We can see this in people's attitudes to our world in turmoil. We can see it in people's attitudes to airborne viruses. We can see it in, in how we, we exercise, we eat vegan, we take pills, we do whatever we can because we're desperate to keep living. And of course, there's nothing wrong in essence with much of that, not at all. But what's at the, what's at the root of it? What's at the root of it? That's, 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 that's frequently the question, isn't it? You think you're going to live forever? You're trying desperately hard. Perhaps you've got fear of death somewhere in there. And in Christ and in him crucified, Christians have a wonderful new perspective. And we have life extended. We have the promise of life upgraded beyond the grave. And we don't fear the destroyer, which I mentioned, yeah? We don't fear the destroyer because we've Christ. In our Passover lamb, we have that, that wonderful ever after perspective. Freedom from death. Don't you let yourself be caught again by it, brother or sister. No, you're free. You're, the promise of, of, the, of Scripture is an upgrade. That's what it is. Don't you be letting that, that fear get you. Don't let that inhibit your life. Don't let that, that cause you anxiety. No, no, you've got Christ. You've got Christ. Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. He was a... He was a great man. He was a really nice man, Jesus. But he had to suffer and he had to die. His blood has been shed on the, on the wooden posts. And in him we have, that, we have that shelter. He takes our place. We're released from Egypt, from that slavery to sin. Uh, we're freed by faith to depend wholly on him. We were, were able to worship God in spirit and in truth because he's opened up the access. He's, he's torn the curtain in two. And we're freed from fear of death because he's taken that sting and he's, and he's won. And he's victoria, victorious. Our Passover lamb. And he does what the Passover in the Old Testament is sort of dissatisfactorily 
kind of leaving there the problem of death. No, he, he deals with it. He deals with it. Because Jesus is the one we've been looking for. And Jesus is the Passover lamb that you need. Let me pray. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be that sacrificial lamb, the real Passover lamb, that the shadow and the type and the picture were really pointing to. And as the dissatisfaction of the Old Testament reminds us, in his fullness he brings all all the promises and all the fulfillment and all the good things of God with him. Thank you for Jesus, our Passover lamb, who was sacrificed so we could be free, so we could be worshipers, so we could by faith receive what you offer, so we could not be scared of death because he's taken its sting and he's won. And we look to him. And we pray these things in his wonderful name. Amen. Let's sing um, our final song uh, together this evening. I will sing of the lamb of the price that was paid for me. Thank you. <laughs>